0: You are listening to America's Entrepreneur, the podcast designed to educate, entertain, and inspire you in your personal and professional journey. I'm your host, Aaron Spatz, and on the podcast, I interview entrepreneurs, industry experts, and other high achievers as they detail their personal and professional journeys in business. My goal is to glean their experiences into actionable insights that you can apply to your own journey. If you're new to the show, we've spoken with successful entrepreneurs, Grammy Award winning artists, best selling authors, chief executives and other fascinating minds with unique experiences. We've covered topics such as how to achieve breakthrough in business, growing startups, effective leadership techniques, and much more. If you strive for continual self-improvement and enjoy fascinating and insightful conversation, hit the subscribe button. You'll love it here at America's Entrepreneur. Thanks so much for tuning in to America's Entrepreneur this week. I, I'm just so incredibly excited uh, to welcome yet another awesome guest. And so uh, I'm excited to introduce to you Aaron Phillips. So Aaron's a friend of mine. Uh, he went to University of North Texas for his undergrad uh, and he practices in in law. So he he went through Baylor School of Law and has been practicing law um, ever since. We're going to kind of we're gonna dive into a little bit of his story. So he's he kind of comes from a different uh, background where yeah, he's practiced inside of a law firm, but then he's also... Uh, ever since just a few years ago, back in 2018, he started his own firm and he's been on that journey since then. So really excited to explore topics of of uh, entrepreneurship with him. But in addition to entrepreneurship, maybe depending on wh- where we go, we may end up even covering just a few things that you might want to know in, in, in your own business as it relates to startups and business transactions and maybe a little bit of insight that he would like to offer. So Aaron, I, man, I just want to welcome you. Thanks. Thanks so much for uh, making time for me.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah. It's kind of weird talking to somebody named Aaron.
0: Yeah. I just want to point that out at the beginning. Um, yeah. it's like I'm repeating my own name. Right. Well, so that being said, I'll I'll try to limit the amount of times that I refer to you by your name, uh, just, just to avoid confusion of it to sound like I'm talking to myself. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, man. Well, okay. Well, so let's let's just dive into your story. So I mean, one, it's you know, the legal profession is, is is really wide. There's a lot of stuff there. I mean, we'd love to just kind of learn a little bit about your life story, like what what uh what was the path that you've been on and then kind of what got you interested into the whole legal side of things and and just a little bit of your story there.
1: Yeah. Um so growing up, people always said, Well, you should uh become a lawyer because I liked to argue or make points. Um, you know. Uh, Verbally, I was pretty precise with language and things like that and sometimes ruthless Um, and uh, also at times ruthless for holding people to their promises. Like um, to give an example of a precursor, when I was little, I had a journal for a few weeks and my brother and sister went into my room and read my journal and wrote in it. So they were kind of foolish there. Like if you're going to read somebody's journal, don't leave evidence. But they wrote in it. And so obviously I found out and I went to my parents and I said, they need to pay me money. Uh, They can't unread what they've read. So I want money from them. And my parents made them pay me money. (laughs) Uh, And so, (laughs) um, but yeah, so that that was me growing up. I think ultimately, you know, people associated the way that I acted some in those times as being similar to what they thought lawyers do, uh, you know, as portrayed in Hollywood, uh, movies and and uh, pop culture but what really spurred me on to law was in my final final year of law school um, not law school sorry undergraduate uh, at North Texas I was having conversations with people and I was an English literature major so people were asking me what are you going to do with that degree which really just means how are you not going to starve uh, as an English lit major and You know, they ask poli-sci and philosophy majors the same thing. Um, So, and and some of them say, go to law school. Well, I said, you know, maybe I'll go do mission work for a while and then come back and figure it out. Maybe I'll teach, go to grad school, seminary. And I list law last because uh, at the time I thought, "Eh, you know, that's another three years of school. I found it a little bit intimidating. Um, And then we'd talk for a few minutes and they would leave. And I would feel like, I mean, literally like, God just reminded me, hey, you know, if you wanted to do law out of all those things that you just talked about, why don't you just go do it? Um, And some things that got highlighted to me in that time as I was thinking and praying about it were things like, um, I like to read rule books, which is something that people don't necessarily think of when they think of law, they think of the arguing, right, or the pay me money for reading my journal, but I grew up playing um, in my late teens and in college uh, pen, pen and paper RPGs. So the popular one that everybody knows is Dungeons and Dragons, but there's dozens out there. And I read rule books. I read some of them for fun. I would get them, read them, never even have the opportunity to play with my friends. And these rule books might be a couple hundred pages just because I thought it was interesting to see what kind of systems they had. Um, And that's really, you know, it dovetails into the kind of law that I do now. I do business law where I read and write and review contracts, which are, you know, um, documents that determine the systems and processes for the the legal relationships that exist within a business and within um, various business relationships. So uh, that was something that was really highlighted to me of this is what you like to do and you're good at this and this will be a good direction for you to go. So I took the LSAT and scored really well and said, okay. Let's apply to law school and went to Baylor from
0: there. Man, like that's a it, like I, I can't imagine. Like you know, you're, you you settled your first case, man. You settled your first case out of court with your with your with your siblings and are able to get, uh, get you know get get damages paid. Man, that's uh, that's that's quite an art right there. You know, being able to being able to pull that off. That's that's freaking crazy. The, uh, (laughs) it's not every day that I, uh, that I meet somebody who, who enjoyed or enjoys reading rule books. And so like that, I mean, it's like, this is a discussion I've had with so many people, right. Is there, there are unique ways in, in, in like the way that you've been shaped the way that you've been made. Right. And so to you, it's not obvious necessarily until like somebody from the outside takes a look at you and is like, Dude, like you realize that that's like not everybody does that, and not everybody's good at doing that. Like, there's like a real pra- you know practical application for that. And I and I think for so many people as they're going back their life and trying to figure out where their next step is, or what they're supposed to do, or what was I made for and purposes. And I, I I've actually I explore this with people privately. This is not a commercial plug for me. I just it's just a it's just a side note. There is like that's something I spend a lot of time helping people understand, and it's it's it always fascinates me because it's like the thing that is so obvious, but to you, it's not obvious. And so you being able to read a rule book and understand it and like, you just legitimately enjoy the way it's made, like the systems and, and then like translate that to present day of like, you know, picking apart contracts and understanding all the different angles and, and perspectives and things that you need to consider. And so that's neat how that was on your list. And like of all the things that you you chose that, like, that was the one thing. And so like what, what what was that like then like once you once you finally made that decision, like, hey, you know what this this is the direction that I'm gonna go down, and like how did that feel when you started to go through law like like did like did you feel like when you're going through law school like, oh my gosh, like this is really cool. like I've always been into this. I didn't realize how into this I, I would really be
1: um, i I think. No, not necessarily. I felt like even once I got to law school, I wasn't sure what kind of law I would do because I didn't know before I went in that I would end up doing business law. Because at the time, a lot of my ideas about law and what lawyers do was probably more Hollywood-based than reality-based. I mean, I had friend a couple friends whose dads were attorneys and, and one friend who was an attorney, and he kind of described it to me. But until you're getting in there and doing it, um, it's not, it's hard to, really fathom you know you're thinking about it one way and that shifts so in law school i went in not sure what kind of law i would do i did definitely have a sense of peace about it like this is where i'm supposed to be um it was just a matter of because with law there are so many different avenues you can pursue you know there's family law there's criminal law those are two that people a lot of times initially think of because so many people have experienced divorce or have friends who have been through divorces and A lot of people, you know, have gotten in trouble with the law at various times, but there's also so many others. There's securities, um, real estate, oil and gas, international. Um, A lot of times people think of constitutional law, but there's really not that many constitutional lawyers out there uh, just because, you know, those kinds of cases don't come up all the time. And also a lot of times they come up in situations where people are like, uh, do I want to spend the money on a lawyer to to resolve that issue and try to take it all the way to the Supreme Court? Um, and so I was kind of in law school trying to eliminate areas of law and go, okay, I don't want to practice that or trying to figure out which areas piqued my interest. Yeah, and it wasn't exactly. until my third year of law school that that really happened. Um, until my third year of law school, I had kind of decided my fallback plan was going to be criminal law because I felt like I could advocate for criminals and sleep at night, um, which you'd think most people that go to law school should be that way but even at law school it's people who want to be lawyers um a lot of them could not um they you know would self-admit like they'd say you know i i just couldn't do that i couldn't defend somebody who was accused of you know something terrible murder rape things like that you know it's like um that just makes people nervous and whatnot and my thought was you know We have a justice system for a reason, and it's designed so that people have advocates and somebody in their corner because not everybody gets a fair shake. And even if they did it, making sure the system treats them fairly is important for the sake of any innocent people who come behind. Um, Because it's always like justice, the the corners of justice get cut off uh, in pursuit of the people that we know are guilty. And then when those corners are cut, it harms the innocent later. Uh, And so making sure to uphold the system by advocating for everybody was important, and then also for those that are you know believers out there. I was at Baylor Law, it's a Christian university. I'm a believer. Um, sometimes people would get in a tizzy about it, and, and I'd say, well, you know, according to Christianity, and if if you're a believer, then you're 100% guilty, and Jesus advocates for you. Uh, so do you have a problem with that? Right. Um, but anyway, so then yeah. in my third year of law school, I was in this uh, municipal law class. And it was talking about how to advocate, uh, not just advocate to or for, but also just give general counsel to cities on making different kinds of decisions with things. And and I thought that that was really interesting, providing more of the counselor role. Um, And Baylor Law is very litigation focused. So most of the things were focused more in that direction. And this was one of the first classes where I felt like we were exploring more pragmatically a role other than litigator. You know, the bulldog where you're just going after the other side but more that counselor role. And I really liked it. I really enjoyed thinking that way. I really enjoyed trying to be an advisor and come up with solutions and and advising on the law, but not necessarily going after somebody else to try to get something. And so that piqued my interest in municipal law. When I got out of law school, I was trying to find uh, a law group to join that did that, among other things. Uh, And in the course of joining the, firm, the first firm that I was at, Haysbury, White & Van and I got some taste of that as well as other things because um, that firm did a lot of different things. They had five different partners that did five different things. And so as a low man on the totem pole, you get to do whichever one needs doing that day. So uh, it's really good for experience. You get to see a lot of different things um, and realize, okay, I kind of have a, a taste for business law in the course of that because then you're kind of in that counselor role constantly. There might be some chances for dispute or litigation Um, and there's more clients out there, you know, there's only so many cities and municipalities out there and they generally like to hire attorneys with a little more gray hair. So I realized, uh, business law was going to be a little more, uh, successful for my career field.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really, I mean, you could always go get hair coloring, right? And just like, just at, you just, just help yourself look like you're aged. (laughs) Yeah. no, No, the, the, uh, that's a that's a neat perspective of just kind of hearing the journey of of you know process process of um elimination in terms of how you were able to kind of land into where you wanted to be and then but then also not just the process of elimination but then understanding just how critical of a role that is that people need like people need a counselor they need somebody they can lean on in that role and so i mean you're you you know you're the guy for the job and i think that's I, i i think it's fantastic just hearing that journey and and just all the different things that you got to experience, kind of on on that path. So, then, kind of take us then to what what led you what led you to the point where you uh, where you decided that you wanted to go do this for yourself, and it you know, you, you be like you start your own firm. Like what what uh, what kind of motivated you to?
1: Well, uh, I you know there's that baseline thing of you know money. Um, Definitely, I thought, okay, if I'm doing work for somebody else, if I can figure out how to do it myself, even at the same efficiency, then I'm not giving away the money to somebody else. I I get to keep the profit at the end of the day. Uh, But um, it was kind of a winding journey uh, for me. So I knew after the end of my tenure at my first firm, Haysbury, White & Van Zandt, um, that I still... I needed to be selective with smaller firms. Um, I had gone there, and they were a smaller firm. Uh, they were a large one for Denton, but um, you know they weren't like Thompson Knight or Baker Botts or some of the larger firms, you know, in DFW um, that, or even nationally that, you know, are just big law. Um, they had about 11 attorneys, including me, but still the culture fit, you know, wasn't right, and so I was like, okay where do I go from here? Uh, and once again, prayed about it, felt like, um, I was supposed to just take some time and and do nothing and, and wait. And at the end of that time ended up connecting, uh, once I felt released uh, to start looking again, I connected with this attorney that had a a group and they were just going to feed me a little bit of work, but it was going to be almost like a self startup. Um, the only problem going back to that gray hair issue was I was a second hair, second year attorney, And uh, it was, you know, bringing in clients was not a forte of mine yet. So I realized pretty quickly, okay, I need to get a lot better at networking, or I'm going to starve, or be at the mercy of those who can. Uh, Because any leverage in a small firm or medium sized firm, true leverage um, and uh, marketability as a as you know yourself for your career comes from being able to generate and maintain client relationships and deal flow. Uh, Otherwise, you're just hoping that you're useful enough that somebody else wants to keep you around. And so um, so started doing that there. Uh, After three months there, I was actually uh, not making ends meet. So I started working nights and weekends. I drove Lyft and Uber. Um, I had a friend that had a commercial contracting company. I was power washing Walmart parking lots at 2 in the morning and, uh, you know, and then on the weekend on Friday night and Saturday night, driving downtown Dallas and Fort Worth, or if there's a big game, you know, going around the stadiums and trying to catch those surges to get paid a little bit more on Lyft and Uber. And then waking up in the morning and going and trying to network and drum up business. Yeah. Did that for a few months. And then uh, I met this guy, Lance Metcalf. He ended up hiring me at his firm, then Metcalf Adair uh, there in South Lake. And so, joined them, was able to at least have a salary. Um, and the way I looked at it was, you know, if this will get me out of having to work nights and weekends, then then I can really focus on law. But I told him, hey, I've been trying to draw a business for six months and I've only brought in, at that point I brought in one small issue from a client like where we drafted an employment agreement or something. Um, and so I was looking at myself thinking, uh, you know, I'm not good at this. But um, so I told him, look, if you have plenty of work, I can come in and do good work and we'll all be happy because my compensation was based on a, a small base. And then once I hit a certain amount of collections, it would ramp up from there. Um, and so I told him, I'm not going to hit that unless you have plenty of work to hand to me. I can still go network, but I'm not at this point finding stuff. And I got in there and there was not really enough work to keep me busy where I'm popping over that threshold. Yep. And so I'm encouraged to go network. Um, which I'm thankful for looking back, right. Uh, because then I spent the next two years networking a bunch. Um, basically if they didn't have something hot for me that day or, you know, a couple days, I was trying to set up lunches and coffees. Um, I was, I got heavily involved in the South Lake chamber and got on the board while I was there. Um, and so just try to get involved a lot and, and cast a wide net and then over time started generating, deal flow generating clients and getting things in that were actually making you know a decent amount of money for the firm. Um, it wasn't a ton, but it, it was something. To me, anything was a win, you know, at that point, because I had thought, okay, like the first six months, one little employment agreement wasn't much. Um, but over the course of the next few years, that went up. And so then I started trying to have conversations with them, you know, going back to the okay, what's my marketability and viability? career-wise, if I'm generating this amount of business and we're a small firm, you know, what's the plan for me? How is this going to look? Because um, I was generating enough business to keep myself busy enough while still going and networking. Uh, But at times the two partners, uh, Metcalf and Adair, wanted help with their things. um, And that caused tension at times. Um, And then, you know, one of my questions to them was, okay, are are we going to, hire any other help. We didn't even have an administrative assistant really full-time in the office. And so, uh, you know, there was not anybody else, you know, if you want to talk about the crap rules downhill, you know, or them trying to get things done at the lowest operative cost, um, there started to be some tension there. And so, out of those conversations and, and my frustrations with the way things were, was born, okay, I need to make a decision of, I either need to leave and go find another firm that I think I will be happy at that I can, you know, kind of try to be blunt about. Okay, here's what I am doing. Here's here's what I think I can do. And here's what I need in order for this relationship to work or try to do it on my own. And uh, I realized that with the help of a a few other friends that in the networking world, you know, one of them was this guy. um, Oh, his name escapes me now. That's going to drive me crazy. Um, Bob Sifferman. There we go. Bob Zifferman, he's with Score, which is the something core of retired executives, I think is what it's. Um, okay. And so they they mentor people for free, uh, business people, great resource. And uh, so he, I was meeting with him to just talk about business stuff and sales stuff in general because um, he was actually a sales executive. And uh, he was like, "Look, it's clear you're not happy because I was bringing up to him some of the conversations and some of the situations." And he was like, "So you need to sit down and and write out like option A, option B. Like where do you want to be in the next six to twelve months? Because if you're in the same place in six to twelve months, you're going to be even unhappier." And uh, and so I I wrote it out, weighed pros and cons, prayed about it, and then Bob even sent me because uh, Score had has this as a resource a business plan. It was like a ten or fifteen page like template. It was awesome. So all I had to do was plug in things, and then. Uh, financial business plan like where it had like 15 sheets in an excel spreadsheet that were linked and stuff so you could project all kinds of stuff it was great so i spent i went on vacation for a week vacation um we can talk if you want we can talk about that story a little bit but anyway um i ended up doing billable work for five days on that vacation uh but while i was on that vacation i also plugged a good amount of time into those templates and really you know digested and chewed over what is it going to look like going out on my own um so that i could get comfortable with the idea and then we found out that we were pregnant in september of 2018 and in the midst of all this decision making that vacation was in august so find out we were pregnant in september and we decided to really give it a go or at least create flexibility for ourselves if I decided to work for somebody else or if I tried to start something and it failed. So we moved in with my wife's parents, uh, that fall in September and I started my own firm in November and, uh, with my wife's blessing, uh, despite the fact that she was pregnant. So it was kind of a do or die, but the way I looked at it was, I'm really early in my career, you know, worst case scenario, we go bankrupt at, you know, 29 years old or 31 years old. Yeah. It was two years ago. Yeah. So 31, that's not really, that's fine. Like nobody's going to really come after me if, if I end up going belly up financially. So I've got plenty of time to go work for somebody else and still have a fine career. So I figured risk wise uh, better now than after I have, you know, four kids and a huge mortgage and all this other stuff. Um, it'd be a lot easier with low overhead, you know, at the beginning of a family and that worked out. Uh, God you know, provided there was still deal flow when I left um, and since I got to keep the profit, you know, the delta between expenses and and revenue, um, I made more my first year out of my own than I was making working for somebody else, which is um, I don't know if that's common. From what I understand, it's not common, um, but I had the benefit of working on those networking relationships for two and a half years before that. And so i had been networking, you know, I was essentially my third year of networking um, and so really got the benefit of that. And so I am thankful for the time that I spent at Metcalfedir because of the fact that I was able to build that pipeline and that network that then fed me as soon as I left.
0: Yeah. I mean, that that network is everything. I mean, that that was where that deal flow was coming from. That's where you're able to start relationships, build relationships, maintain those relationships. I mean, there's, there's a lot there. And I mean, that was going to be, that was going to be my question for you is I think a lot of, a lot of folks struggle with the business development side of things, just getting things going. And so for you, kind of going into it, looking at it, looking back, I mean, you, you still believe that the work that you did in terms of networking, that, that made a huge difference.
1: Oh yeah. Huge. Um, I don't think networking can be downplayed, uh, at all. And I don't think it can be, over. sorry. I don't think down networking should be downplayed at all. And I don't think it can be overstated how important, um, networking is for small business owners. Unless you have a budget for media, for advertisements, for billboards, which most people don't, networking is an insanely cost-effective way to build awareness about your business. Um, You know, let's just say local chamber, that's 500 bucks for the year. Okay. For the year, you get to go to all these events, find out about all kinds of things that are happening where various businesses are getting together and business owners are getting together to socialize and, Uh, you know comparatively an ad in a magazine might be several thousand dollars for one run you know that runs you know one time uh, you know in one month or one one issue out of multiple issues in a month and so um, you know joining a local chamber and then going out to coffee and lunch you know it's not like you need to take people to steakhouses and you know super expensive places you know it can be a 10 bucks for a couple cups of coffee it can be go get tacos or go to, you know, Mexican place, you know, those usually have good lunch menus where you can just get, you know, a couple of things that are not going to be 25, 35 uh, bucks per person. And so just be smart about it, but go meet as many people as possible and then start figuring out where are those referrals going to be coming from? So like for me, I figured out, okay, I'm in business law at the beginning. I was going and. I cast a really wide net. So if I went to an event, I tried to meet every single person, get their business card, and then I followed up with every single one of them to get lunch, coffee, breakfast. And then after a couple of years of that, I realized, okay, most of these people, even if they like me, don't really have the ability to send business my way. So who are the people that are able to send business my way? Because they're in front of the business owners at the time they're making the kinds of decisions that would make them want a business attorney. And for other bi- industries, it may look different. You know, if you're an HVAC company, um, you know, I'm not going to be your best referral source, but maybe realtors are going to be a great referral source for you. You know, maybe mortgage guys. So figuring out based on your industry, where's that synergy? Where At what point are the decision makers that decide to call you going to be talking to somebody else about that pain point? And so for me, it's CPAs and accountants, bankers, um, commercial bankers specifically, uh, commercial insurance guys, commercial uh, real estate guys. So I figured out, okay, those are the people that are actually able to send business my way. And so what I started doing is I would go to the events and I would still collect business cards, exchange emails. If somebody asked me for a cup of coffee or, or meeting or lunch meeting or something, I would always say yes and make time. So I always take the meeting. Uh, but the ones that I would follow up with got more selective. So I started trying to mostly follow up with, people that were in those top couple tiers of referral sources that I knew, okay, there's some synergy here. So it's going to be, the ROI is going to be there. Um, And so, and then still attending other things because, you know, you never know where something can come from. So still going to the bingo night, you know, put on by the chamber and going to the awards banquet and going to Oktoberfest and still plugging into the wider community, but trying to make those, um, plugins have larger impact by making sure I'm I'm at larger events where, you know, I'm gonna see a lot of people and can be associated with that without having to spend go get coffee with every single person for them to remember me when 90% of them can't even, you know, send me a deal because they're just not in front of those people.
0: Yeah. I mean that's 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 just taking it's just taking a, a, a smart approach to the way that you network. And I, I love the way that you laid it out. So I mean you're you're accepting You're accepting meeting requests from people, but then you're also now you're just thinking through, okay, what like what is like who are the decision makers? Where are these synergies located? Who are these people? And so it makes your networking more strategic. And I think I think that is a tremendous nugget of wisdom here because it makes no sense for you to talk with somebody that has a a very I mean not that there's zero probability, but the probability is certainly tremendously lower, right, of them being able to refer a deal to you. Versus somebody that like, hey, this person has a like 90% chance of, of being in a situation or 100% chance of being in a situation where they're going to be able to refer business to me. So it would behoove me to develop a relationship, see how I can help them, be a service to them, but also be top of mind or be, you know, be in, at least in the conversation in that mix. And so I I think yeah. that's I, I, absolutely terrific advice. And, 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 and you know, and I'll, I'll say something real quick and I'll stop. But the the ability to take meetings that you don't know are incredibly beneficial. I've almost always found those to be the ones that are like beneficial. I don't know what, if that's been your experience, but it's like, it's it, for me, it's been the, the meetings that I'm thinking, man, there's really no reason to meet. Like I don't, I, I, I like, I've almost canceled meetings before. And then those ends up being the ones that I'm like, holy crap, like that I needed to go to that. And then, And then it was like a reminder. And then from there on, I'm like, I'm taking everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely found, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Right. Um, It's it's, uh, to me, you know, every now and then there's duds, but I've found sometimes those meetings are definitely hidden gems of uh, somebody that you really connect with um, or somebody that really encourages you or somebody that you really have an opportunity to encourage because they're in the middle of something that you can really speak into. You know, sometimes it doesn't even end up having to do with business, Uh, but it's uh, it's always, I think, worth it because, you know, the way I look at it is there were a lot of people that took meetings with me early in my career that probably thought this is a waste. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm going to make sure to take meetings with people, even if, uh, you know, I don't think it's necessarily going to benefit me directly, but try to help other people and, and try to pay it forward. Yeah,
0: hundred yeah. percent. And i I've found that that will come back to you. Not not that that's why you do it, because you're just doing it out of kindness, of your heart to help somebody out. But people remember that. I mean, I've made introductions for people um, where they had a need that I I was in no way positioned to solve whatsoever. I mean, it's way out of my wheelhouse. But I'm like, you know what? I've got a guy, or I've got a, you know, I've got a good friend of mine. I've I've got this lady who handles this type of of thing. I will get you her information or his information. I'll get that over to you, you know, as soon as we're done here. And then they get connected. And you know eight months later, I'm getting a phone call from somebody of a friend of a friend. and it's just it's funny, it's funny how that works out. But um no, I just I appreciate you being so raw and so honest with just the way that you've approached your career and the decision points that that you've been faced with. I, I appreciate the um, just the insight into kind of how, you've operated through the, the networking opportunities, but then also your assessment of your own financial risk and your future. I think that's a great, great perspective that people should really take stock of because to, like you know, to your point earlier, it's like, you have, you have a lot yeah. less to lose now than you do later, you know, yeah. theoretically. Right. So it's like, while while you don't have six kids and a, you know, all these, ma- you know, just a massive list of things to cover it's in your, you know, in are young enough and, and, in, in your career, like, you know, you can afford for things to possibly not work out exactly the way you wanted them. But what's cool though, is it, 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 like, it, it is working out for you. Like you are, you know, you are stepping forward and, you know, it's, you're, you're reaping the benefits of all the siege that you've sown for the two, three years of, of relationships. So kind of take us, take us <laughs> to present day. Like where, what does it look like for you now? Like, what's your, like, what does your world look like now in terms of your, firm so
1: yeah at this point um you know i'm i'm i would say this year i finally started getting to the place where i'm billing about what i'm worth um because when you first jump out on your own you're still billing close to what you were when you were an associate somewhere else and you're just one you're hungry for clients um so it was that was one thing is is having confidence in myself and my worth and learning to okay it's been about 6 months i need to slide that scale up otherwise i'm going to be lagging later on you know i'm going to hurt myself later on um at this point i've got an assistant when i jumped out on my own i didn't so you know i'm trying to add that wheel early um right now it's a part-time assistant um uh, but i've got a fractional assistant as well i'm going to try to combine those into one on-site full-time here in the spring uh when my when a contract ends that i've got going but um, got that in the hopper, and then I've got a uh, potential associate in the hopper. He uh, went to Baylor, so I went back to Baylor, went to the on-campus interview process back in November of 2019, so before COVID, everything was looking great, you know, economy was humming along, if you remember, um, you know, when Trump <laughs> was the president, and so the, uh, went and interviewed, I, I interviewed like 19 people in one day, it was a blurring. Um And then offered some guys some, some spots and COVID hit. Um, So I had two guys that were going to intern for me last summer, COVID hits. And I called them up and was like, look, initially it was going to be a paid position. uh, But suddenly it was like, I don't know if anybody's going to do anything with business, you know, suddenly like law is usually considered a luxury, you know, unless, unless it's a matter of survival or something like, okay, we can write these employment contracts ourselves, like, you know, because COVID's going on and we need to cut costs. Um, A lot of the, that was my thought. So I was like, yeah, I don't know if these, these will be paid positions at this point. So if you want to come work for me for the experience, great. But if you don't, no harm, no foul. Uh, One of the guys said, no, I'd rather stay with my family because he was living in Waco. His family was in Waco. He was going to move up to Dallas for the summer and it was going to make sense if he was paid. The other guy was commuting to Baylor and he uh, lived partway between there and Fort Worth. And so he was like, no, it's about the same drive. It, is. it might even be shorter than it is for me to get to school every day. So I'll just go work for you for the summer. I'm not doing anything else. And uh, so he was a good fit, enjoyed working for me. I enjoyed having him in the office. And so uh, he's going to SMU for tax law now. And um, he's going to start working for me part time this fall. And then hopefully come on full time once he graduates from SMU. So God willing this time next year, I'm going to have two full-time employees and That's start, with, you know, in earnest uh, up to this point, it's been trying to really push it to see how, how much I can take on. Um, and at times, you know, just kind of grit my way through it. You know, sometimes you have a sleepless night or, you know, you work on the weekends, but you know, it is what it is. Um, it feels a lot better doing those sleepless nights or working on the weekends when you're doing it for yourself in some ways, in my opinion, because it's not somebody else asking you to come in and ultimately you're making them money. You know, I'm like, well, you know, this is, this is the, to me, it's a sacrifice that's worth making when, when you know it's for yourself and you're building something for your own future. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at right now. You know, I'm still networking. And one thing I would say on that note, you know, just, just circle that back in. Cause as I said, I don't think it can be overstated. I am still networking. I didn't like stop once I got through my first year, you know, I stayed on the board for the South Lake chamber. I'm still plugged in there. I've joined some other groups, you know, and I'm, and I continue to go through this last spring, um, you know, for CPAs. One thing that I did was I went through my contact list and reached out to any CPAs or accountants. Cause I knew their tax year had been crazy last year and it was crazy again this year. And I just said, Hey, can we bring you breakfast or coffee or something? You know, we're not gonna, you don't need to come meet me for lunch. I'll come to you. And, you know, for some of them, we just literally dropped it off and left if that's if they were that busy. Uh, Most of them let us stick around for 20, 30 minutes in the conference room while we ate, you know, or had our coffee. But uh, but still, I try to make it as easy as possible and and just help them through their tax season a little bit. Um, And so, you know, I'm trying I'm still networking. And even in those months where I'm having a lot of business and I'm maybe having late nights or working on a weekend, I don't cancel those networking meetings. I still go attend things. I still meet with people for lunch and breakfast. To me, those are as integral to my business as my billable work. Because if you go a few months and just stop all those lunches and stuff because you're too busy to network, you're going to look up and find that you're suddenly not busy at all. And then it takes a while to get that momentum going again to be top of mind with people. And so I to me, I'd rather network even when it's painful then, you
0: know, stop that, that hustle. And that's solid advice. I'm I'm telling you, like, if you're watching this or listening to this and you're interested in starting your own law firm or even just your own business for that matter, I mean, this is, this is some really, really great, raw, real insight into, into just the, the hustle, right? I mean, it's, it's all hustle, man. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're out executing the work, but then you're, to, to the point that you're I mean, it, it's a brilliant point. and I think it's a great reminder is like you don't let off the gas in the networking side of things when you've got enough billable work coming in because it's it's just like it's like any marketing you know to a sales funnel where it's like you've you've got to keep your you got to keep your pipeline, you got to keep your your conversations, you got to keep all that flow moving. And if you just if you just turn the faucet off, once you're done working what you've got currently, and then you, you got to go back and start that whole yeah. journey all over again. And it, and that, and just that momentum, it, it, and it's a, man, it's a momentum killer. You know, it really is. I mean, it'll, it'll absolutely, you know, yeah it, it could take longer to get that, get that rolling again. So, you know, what, so kind of like while we're on the topic here, like what, what other, what other advice would you have for folks that are looking to start, start their own journey? I mean, you've, you've, you've really articulated this really well and I'd, I'd love to just, Glean anything else that may may be rattling around in terms of things that you think people really need to consider when they're when, when they're when they're weighing yeah. whether or not to go through with this.
1: Sure, um, I think I'll I'll have a, a couple of different points I'll hit. Um, first, from a ten thousand foot view, you know what you mentioned of me thinking I'm at the beginning of my you know life cycle as a human, uh, and so my my loss. Is, is lower than somebody who might be 40 or 50 and have kids and a mortgage and all that. Um, I think looking at that's useful um, for me, it was useful in terms of the, it helped encourage me to step out, but I don't think there's necessarily a wrong time to step out. Um, I think if you're, if you're sick to your stomach every one Monday when you get up and go to work um, and, and you're working for somebody else and you're literally, I mean, I was, I've I've worked at those places where you're physically like you have a knot in your stomach when you're driving to work on Monday morning. Um, Then if you have a dream for something else and you think it's possible, I think it's worth doing, thinking about it, praying about it, putting the plan together and seeing if you can do it. Um, Now, that doesn't mean if you hate your job, you should just quit and start something, um, which leads me to the next point. Put in some foundational work. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, I was fortunate. Somebody was able to give me a template, but find a way to get a business plan together. Um, score is a great resource that I mentioned. Um, that's just spelled the normal way S C O R E. Um, there's one in the Dallas Fort Worth area, but I don't, I don't know if they're a national brand or not. Um, but they're a nonprofit that helps business owners. There are other small business resources out there where you can get free templates and things that will help you work through. What do you need for your business? So put in some of that foundational work and then understand you may need to do some of it for free or hustle without seeing much return for a while. So if you go back to my earlier career point, when I was like, I've been networking for six months and I got one little piddly thing, uh, you may need to network for six to 12 months before you see any meaningful, you know, regular deal flow or, or whatever it is in your line of business where you may need to start small, you know, um, and so it may look like taking a haircut on it, so to speak, you know, uh, and, and cutting your price or doing it for free for the first few, you know, the stereotypical example that everybody probably would smile at is the, the person that's starting a photography business. Cause they're like, Oh, I need to add to my portfolio. I'll do a session for you for free. Um, but really that's, they're putting in that foundational work. They're doing that thing for free for somebody You know, and probably a lot of people hearing this smile because we all know that person that got a camera, and so now they're starting a photography business. But from a a business mindset, they're taking the right approach. They're getting their name out there. They're just trying to generate some some buzz about it. And so, in the same way, you know, if you're going to have a window cleaning company, maybe go to a, a local strip mall, you know, or something where there's a lot of windows, and offer, hey we'll clean your windows for free this month, once a week. Um, and if you guys like it, then we can talk about a contract. And so, you know, maybe you have a loss leader where you, where you do that, so they can see that you do good work. Um, but think about ways that you can creatively get some stuff out there that may be able to accelerate, uh, your journey. And then I think advice, uh, counsel cannot also can't be understated. Um, as a business owner, you need to have people around you that you trust, that you will lean on. You can't wear all the hats. You can't be an accounting expert. You can't be a legal expert. You can't be a, you can't even necessarily be an all around business expert, you know, your business and your industry. um, But you know, you don't know what different people have tried in different situations. You're not going to reinvent the wheel probably. So why not lean on other people's wisdom uh, and value that to me, you know, If somebody is going to give me advice that ends up making me thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars by applying it, it's certainly worth, you know, $200 an hour or $400 an hour or whatever their consulting time is to get to glean that and then have the opportunity to go apply it. Um, So I'd say those are the major points. I think I probably had like four or five there.
0: No, that was, I mean, that was, that was really solid. And I, I appreciate, I, I appreciate you sharing all that. There's a, there's a, you sparked a thought as you're explaining one of your points. and I I want to, I want to circle to this one really quick before we, before we run out of time here, but how do you go about, because I think, I think this is a common entrepreneurial problem. I'm just curious how you've dealt with it, like what's your kind of, what's your perspective or your, your philosophy with it is. But so the, the, the notion of like chasing whatever work comes your way, right? Like there's going to be situations where, you know, you're, you might have somebody who approaches you and is like, Hey, I've got this legal matter that I need help with. And you're thinking in the back of your mind, like, yeah, like, can I do it? Yeah. Like I, like I legitimately can otherwise I wouldn't say yes, but does this, is, is this taking me away from like my core service or is this taking me closer? Like, so like thinking it so like, I'd like your perspective on that, but then also just apply it to a general business sense of like people that have a, I mean, whatever type of company they have. Right. But how do they, how do they navigate those types of issues? And I just, just curious what your feedback is to that.
1: Yeah. i um, happy to share. So uh, I'm going to give credit first to the book. Good to great by Jim Collins. Um, great which, book. If you haven't read it, go read it. So I'm going to talk about part of that, but I think um, in that book, They've got this concept of the hedgehog. Uh, and so that's what makes, there's good. There's lots of good companies, what makes the great companies. Um, and a hedgehog has one thing that they're really good at. That's how they survive. Um, they just truck along wherever they're going, and whenever something comes up, they just curl up into a ball and have the little pointy things out. And that's it. And then they just keep on going. Um, and then they compare that to the fox, who might try to kill the hedgehog, um, right, the other companies out there. And the fox will try to do all kinds of things to get attention or or various things to distract the hedgehog. But ultimately, you know, he can't get to the hedgehog. He's, he's all over the place and the hedgehog is just focused on getting where he's going and does the one thing, curl up in a ball. Um, And so they said the great companies were those that focused on the one thing, right? If you're, for example, if you're a landscaping company, don't also be an equipment rental company and also You do commercial and residential um, and, you know, and maybe that can work, but the scale is probably different. The price points are different. Um, So for me on the legal side, you know, I do business law. The big three that people come to me for are, you know, LLC startups, you know, issues. um, So formation and structuring, commercial real estate issues, and mergers and acquisitions. If somebody comes to me with like, let's say a bankruptcy issue, uh, could I help? Yeah, I mean, it's, if it's a business that's going through bankruptcy, um, maybe I can provide some ish, some help if they're really far ahead of it, like they think they might go through bankruptcy later this year, and so they're trying to renegotiate some contracts or something. But if it's like a, we need to file tomorrow for bankruptcy, no, I'm not good for that. And so working that backwards, figuring out at what point am I actually providing good value? Um, I had to have it recently with a business client. I helped them form their business and I represented the business. Um, I I had them sign a disclosure letter so that the individuals that were the partners understood I'm representing the business. I'm not representing any of them individually. And they came back sometime later and said, we want to, we want to split ways. This isn't working. Okay. Um, I made sure to remind both of them, you know, on the phone and things, I don't represent you personally, but as long as this is still a peaceful interaction, I can draft up the things to get one of you out of the business. Uh, From there, it escalated into a dispute and it was clear that one of them was doing things that were harmful to the business. Um, and so we I had a choice to make, you know, in terms of, okay, I can technically, on behalf of the business, go after that person, uh, but we may need to go to litigation. And most of what I do day in and day out is not litigation. My this guy and this company need a litigator. So I handed him off to a litigation firm and uh, made sure, that he had good counsel and it was exactly what you know to your point of can I do this yes um, but with my bandwidth you know I knew for one you know I had plenty of other stuff to work on so saying yes to that just because when it would require a larger investment of time and resources for me to get up to speed and be comfortable with the decisions I was making and being asked to make relatively quickly as what happens in litigation <clears throat> Um, I wouldn't be serving my client best by hanging on to that. And so I think a lot of times in the name of, well, I, you know, I just want to make one more dollar people accept things. Cause they're like, I don't know. You know, it's that um, always hungry mentality, right? It's yeah. it sometimes it can bite you in the butt. And so it's important to be selective uh, and be more like the hedgehog. Um, and I'll give another visual that I, I heard one time that I really liked is like, you know, if, if you imagine yourself as a stationary point, um, but there's you know a spectrum of places you can be laterally there are opportunities that are whizzing by and you grab onto every single one that you know you're going to end up on somewhere on that spectrum that you don't know how you got there and you don't necessarily like it because you're just grabbing whatever you see next that's essentially what the person that takes everything is doing um they end up Hurting I I would say hurting those that they're serving as well as themselves because they don't end up being as good as they can be like the hedgehog great at one thing Um, and they end up not necessarily liking what they're doing because you could end up grabbing on opportunities, you know, I don't like family law, I find family law stressful, I would have trouble taking that stuff home with me, Um, ironically, because I was going to go into criminal law, I'd be fine with that, but family law, I can't, I can't do that. but for the sake of money, I could, right. Somebody could say, well, I'm having a rough month. You know, I know there's plenty of money in that people are getting divorces and they take that one case. And then the next month it's like, well, you know, I already know what I'm doing. I'll just do two cases. And before they know it, that's the majority of their practice. And they hate it. Um, So rather than saying yes to every opportunity as they're whizzing by, have the discipline, um, which if you're an entrepreneur and a business owner, you know, we all like to think we have discipline. Do you have the discipline to say no and say, nope, that's not the right opportunity. Nope, I can refer that to somebody else that's in my industry that I know will do a great job at that. And then you see the one that's yours and you're like, all right, now I can really grab a hold of this because I've said no to these other things.
0: Yeah, that's, that's solid. Man, I love that. It's great, great visuals in terms of just understanding what that, what that looks like. And I, and I love the way you built on to the, To the scenario to kind of play out for people, just things to think about and what that could look like for you down the road, not just in the immediate near term, because a lot of folks are focused on the near term, like, hey, I, you know, I got bills to pay if, if, if they have, if their money's green, I'm taking it type of type of situation versus being, being thoughtful. And I, and I get it. There's going to be maybe a little bit of a transitional period in that, but being as thoughtful as you can in terms of your, what, what is your core product? What is your core service that you're offering your clients? Like, do you know what that is? And, and so, I mean, I think that's, I think that's terrific. And it's, it's really, it's really cool to see your story. And I just, I, again, like we're, we're wrapping up here, but like, so one, I just want to thank you for, for being so raw and open with your, with your journey. The wisdom you shared, I think is incredibly insightful, but not just insightful. I think it's actionable. I think people can take, take a lot from this conversation and really apply it to their own lives. I'll, I'll be sure that I hyperlink the book good to great in the show notes. And I've actually, uh, um, I pulled up score. I'll look for those, um, the business plan and financial plan templates, and see what what they have there, and uh, hyperlink to SCORE as a resource to people. But um, how can people find out more about you, Aaron? Like, how can they how can they get in touch with you? What's what's the easiest way for people to get connected?
1: Um, if you just want to find out, you know what my firm does. A Phillips at uh, sorry a Phillips dot com, and otherwise that you can email me at a phillips at a com, or call my firm at eight one seven nine zero three one four one four and that's just going to be my law firm you can um set up a consultation and and if you've got some issues or whatnot you want to talk through i'd be happy to talk through them with you but
0: um yeah that's that's me at this point Awesome, awesome no, this has been a, this has been a true, been a true joy. And I just, again, I just want to thank you for spending some time with me today. Thanks for sharing your story and, and just for the, the insights and, and everything else that you've been through. I'm I'm cheering for you, man. I think you're, I think you are like, you're plowing towards the right direction. It's not even, you're, you're not just like, you're not just, uh, you know, meandering towards it. I feel like you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're headed there, man. That's really, it's really cool to see your story and your journey. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds for you. So, Again, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And and I'm excited to see all that you're doing over there at uh, America's Entrepreneur and with with, uh, Bold.
0: Yeah, man. That sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for listening to America's Entrepreneur. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review or comment on your preferred social media platform. Share it out with friends, family, coworkers, others in your network. And of course, you can write me directly at aaron at boldmedia.us. That's aaron at boldmedia.us. Till next time.